0: This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday Injustice. Today on Everyday Injustice, we have Sacramento area attorney Keith Staden. Uh, welcome to our show, Keith. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. Uh, so we're going to be talking uh, about uh, policing, and I guess uh, we can start with uh, last month's uh, verdict on uh, the Chauvin
1: trial. Uh, what was your reaction to that? Um, well, uh, very guarded, very guarded. I mean, I-, I figured that they had to come back with some kind of verdict that looked like that. They came back with everything. They didn't have to. Um but I'm, I'm kind of the, in a non-celebratory mood when it comes to uh, police violence nowadays. Um, because, you know, what we've seen is that something good may happen, at least progress may happen in a case, even if it's giving up the, uh, the videos, you know, or something. And then, we, you know, same day, there's another shooting. So it has, to me, compounded, and um, I don't know if it's intentional, but I will guess that it's probably uh, a lack of caring about the position of the public at this time. To tell you the truth, by police, yeah, they, I, I just don't think they they care to lower their behaviors. <laughs> and the Brown case is kind of an example of that. You know, the guy in the car trying to flee, supposedly. You know, I mean. I mean, you know, holding up the videos. Um, then when the videos show, oh, he's not really running over the cops or anything or driving at the cops, trying to get away from them. So it's hard to justify using deadly force, you know, when the car's not coming at you. So did you watch, I'm real guarded did I, on this stuff now. <laughs> did, yeah. Did you watch the press
0: conference from the DA this week? Oh, not the DA. No, no. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, right. in, uh, in, in the Brown case, um, because yeah. basically he's arguing, well, you know, uh, the car is actually a deadly weapon. Therefore, the shooting is justified. But then later he says something to the effect of, and I forget the exact wording, but it was like, I don't care if he was coming at them or driving away from them. They're justified.
1: See, and that's that's where I have a, a bone to pick with 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 a lot of the legislation and the attitudes and that is that individuals will be displaying behavior that is not putting an officer in danger that's not threatening an officer and they get shot so i go back to the guy uh, the had had fell, fallen asleep in the drive through and you know he pulls up and then you know a little tussle and he, he may have, you know, grabbed the um, taser, but when he's running away, he's not using deadly force against them. when he turns and uses the taser, and it doesn't work, and they shoot him after he fired the taser, and there's no reason to believe he had any other weapon. In fact, I mean, he's running away from them, just like Laquan McDonald, uh, just there's a couple others where they're literally running away from the officers unarmed. Uh, even you can even say, um, you know, and, um, oh gosh, Jacobs, Jacob Blake, Jacob Blake, A, a very good example. Cops are there. They're already on the scene. They're already, you know, measuring things. And he takes a walk around the vehicle, goes and into the vehicle, reaches in. Now at that point, okay, was there a danger, then a threat to the officers? Well, when you did not pull out anything, when nothing came out, then where was the danger? It looked like a guy who was going into his car. So, but they fire right when you know he's about to lean down. So, it makes me wonder why do we get so many shootings um, when an individual is doing innocent conduct, definitely not threatening to the officer. So, a car is a deadly weapon, but only if it's driven in a way. That it can be used as a deadly weapon. I mean, we use it every day for transportation. So, you know, it's uh, that's the one thing that just is starting to get um, overplayed like a record, you know? (laughs) We're never, and this made me think of this, not to go on and on, but made me think of this. Um, We're not seeing officers who are showing up at the scenes of a burglary, a robbery, or something going on where there is a danger, you know, um, someone's holding someone hostage, you know, those kinds of situations where where the danger is ongoing, the person's armed, they're firing it, officers got to do what they got to do to stop that because the rest of the public is now in danger too. Here, sometimes, but we're jaywalking across the street. I mean, you know, <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder what happened to the self-defense rules in Calcrim Five Hundred Five. Shouldn't they also apply to officers? So yeah, just well, just yeah. Just, yeah. Wanna, That's one of the wanna, problems. Yeah.
0: One thing I always wonder, and you know, what I would recommend in a lot of these situations is, you know, if you encounter somebody who's not really a threat to anyone, and he, you know, you want to arrest him, but he's not cooperating. You know, if they're in a car get their license down and get them later when they're in a better frame of mind.
1: I know. And that's the one thing that bothers me. It's like, well, where do you think the person's going to run? They're probably going to run home. Okay. So, you know, look, be waiting when they get there. Yeah. yeah I, I don't understand that. Totally. You know, why put forth the effort? You know what? It, it's very similar to uh loss prevention at stores and things like that. Right they're told, hey, if somebody's taking something, don't get in their way, just let them, you know, hey, let, let them take it out. We got cameras, we got all this stuff, easy enough, you know? But but there's this want to exert force. And I I view it as, um, it's getting very um, a psychological problem um, to where they want to, they come into the situation with, a need to exert force. You know, I saw, um, I think it was Texas. No, uh, maybe Georgia, but um, a black guy stopped and he's talking to one officer about being down at a Walgreens where he always goes and stuff like that. And another officer walks up from behind and he doesn't know he's walking up and immediately grabs him and flips him over, turns him down and slams him down, breaks his wrist and things like that. And they find out That's not the guy who was the suspect. He was the one just talking to the officer and the other officer just presumed and assumed because he was black, I guess, that he was the the troublemaker. And they, I mean, they literally, Oh, Oh, this isn't the guy. Oh, Oh, you know, (laughs) and I'm going, wow. What, what, what's going on? Why, when you approach these situations, you are automatically seeing danger, a deadly force from individuals who are not doing anything. And so I'm wondering, what do they see that the general public is not seeing? I get a feeling what they'll say, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're not gonna like it. <laughs> so how do but we I fix get it? this? Well, <laughs> funny you would say that. <laughs> um, I think it's, uh, it is an issue of um, background training and um, punishment, I mean, how do you walk into a situation and you see that somebody is in danger or yourself interpret yourself being in danger when you have nothing to base it on so where are where is your head at that time you know is this it reminds me of a south park episode tell you the truth okay (laughs) they did this it, it was very good um the captain you know uh it was a michael jackson episode michael jackson moved into town uh, it was a black guy. They were like, all right, we got to go plant dope on him and all this stuff. But they look at him and say, no, that's a white guy. Oh, my God, we almost screwed up. Oh, my God, we must be getting old. We must be. This is terrible. And, and, and it's almost that kind of reaction that, well, well it's a black guy. Well, obviously, we got to go arrest him. We got to do something about him right now, you know, before you even know what's going on. Person's just standing there, you know, and, and I go, hey, what's happening? What kind of programming have we gone through? with officers, to where they just see danger when there's no danger. I don't know. Maybe it's a form of mental illness. Hopefully not. <laughs> but but take the situation um, that we first saw with the old guy on the... Um, it was uh, uh, very early. They pushed him down in that situation. See? Take that one. Buffalo. I mean, yeah. It, here, okay. An older white guy he wasn't doing anything but carrying a helmet. And they felt the need to push him out the way so that they could just merely walk by. Callous. That's just the walk in as bullies, as monsters in a way, you know, and and it's how do you flip that? How do you? I think it's something psychological. They're seeing things we don't see. All the ones where, hey, go in and get your wallet and then, oh wait, how? And then shoot him, you know, It's like, wait a minute, you told me to do that. So, ah. but I, I, I mean, and then you hear, I've seen it six, seven times, and it's probably many more where even upper echelon officers, officers who are about to retire, officers who recently retired, having conversations, they record themselves about how they can't wait for a race war. They can't wait to shoot a nigger down, you know, stuff like that. I mean, there you go. I mean, (laughs) if if there is an answer, that's it right there, is that the prevailing attitude of uh, of officers is that um, there's some need to go and shoot people or at least enforce the law somehow. I don't know. And to be violent about it. I mean, look at the the kid in in Colorado. Look at the kid in, in Dallas, Texas, when they're walking along. And at some point the cops, okay, and then they just jump, you know. I mean, <laughs> he's walking around with grocery bags, both cages. Grocery bags. <laughs> I'm going, okay. I, really? Yeah, I do. It's we it's so ridiculous that um people of um people of righteous minds, um we're not gonna take that in and and and, and rationalize it and say that there's anything good about it. I don't even think we can process it fairly because it's not how we want humans to behave, especially officers. I mean, we if it was me and you, and we're out here doing one third, just walking up, to some, imagine just walking up to someone, you know what, I don't like you, I'm push it down, poof. What's gonna happen? We get called on uh, uh, no matter what, oh, oh, misdemeanor battery, you know, right? And I'm just going to go, well, you know, hey, I, did, I was having a bad day, or I, the guy was in my way, he shouldn't have been in my way, doesn't he know how important I am? So I don't get to use that defense. So maybe it's a reprogramming of uh, police officers completely, which is going to be hard to do, because we know when they quit one place or get fired, they'll just go to the next jurisdiction who will accept them, which is kind of weird, because you know the person already has a mark on them. Who does that for jobs? If you know this person's been stealing at Rayleigh's and Safeway, are you going to guess like, hey, come on in, you can you can now do, uh, you know, my store, Smart and Final, come work with me? That would be ridiculous. So, we it's got it's some reprogramming from the very top down or bottom up, <laughs> whichever way it has to go. But all of these things just strike me, you know. Because when you watch the videos, and I'm sure you watch them as much as I do, and, you know, the attitude when you even get there. Like the one, oh, my God, he knew he was on TV. He knew the guy was being recorded. And let's start the show type of thing. And, you know, I'm going, oh my goodness. He, he literally set up the violence, you know, like it was a comedy routine or something. And, you know, like if, like he wants, I don't know, he'll be famous for it and they know they're being recorded and still do the same behavior. So how do we reprogram? Well, maybe, um, you know, how how do you? Because because, uh, we live in America. We can't tell anybody what to feel or do. See, a lot of people say, oh, it's not good to be racist and all this. I go, well, we all are, which is what we were born into. So that's the way we are naturally. How do we move on from it and try to live with other people and some of us jump through the hoop some of us just can't jump through the hoop and we don't want to say we can't jump through the hoop so we'll say well i'm not i'm not but then you know the rest the other half of you is saying hey don't tell them just don't tell them so you know you can hide it so well right i mean uh any black person will tell you um would you and i grew up in the south um I'd much rather know who I'm dealing with. You know, you got the Confederate flag, you got all that. Thank you. Thank you very much for identifying yourself than the person who doesn't. And they want to buy me coffee, you know? And so it's sort of like, you know, I'd much rather know who I'm dealing with. Because that's our problem with racism. That's our problem with just getting along on any ethnic basis or, or anything. Is that we will hold these these grudges, these um, feelings inside, and claim that we are we are fair and honest and all that stuff, but really deep down inside, you know I can't date your daughter, you know. So <laughs> it's sort of a, and he, and I'll never know that <laughs> unless it comes up. So, you know, it, how do we do it? Do we program each officer? Do we t- reprogram each officer? Do we fire them all? Bring on new. That way you don't have to defund right <laughs> at least we I mean, just get new ones
0: well that's is actually that means- one thing that you know i've noticed um and you know I, I i've been watching court you know for 10 years now and i i know you've been in court a lot longer than that but uh you know one of the things that's really striking to me is first of all i think you know, one of the mistakes that we kind of make is we focus so much on officer involved shootings and killings, which I understand, but um, it does lead people to believe that this is a relatively, you know, small problem, or it's uh, one bad egg. Yeah, yeah, one bad egg. But (laughs) when you watch officers testify a lot, you realize that there are a lot deeper problems. First of all, use of force is uh, much more prevalent than anyone yeah. wants to believe I second know, of I all know. the the problem with police goes way beyond that because they don't know what the law is uh, they you know they're they're violating people's rights all the time um, and you just get this impression that a lot of these guys not all of them some of them are really intelligent don't don't get me wrong but some right. of these guys are just like Dude, man, you carry a gun and can arrest people. That is scary.
1: Power, power corrupts. I, I really think it does. You know, I mean, it. You grow, you grow balls. You, you put a gun on. I mean, you know, you, you now are tougher. You know, then you know, you know what it does. It makes you feel like I can handle anybody who wants to cross me. You know, I got my gun right here. I got my badge. I can handle anyone who wants to cross me. If old lady yells at me, I can go handle her. Old old man wants to put, give me a helmet, I can push him down. You know, I mean, the power, you know, it's funny, Um, yeah. uh, (laughs) The attitude is something, I don't know how you reprogram the attitude because when you get there, I think you got to go along You know, like any team, right? If I came to a football team and they said, this is the way we do things, I'm not going to change it. So I better go along with it. Um, If they're doing things illegal, like hitting illegal, doing illegal blocks, I'm probably going to go along, you know, (laughs) until I'm caught because I don't want to disrupt the team. And so that's how new ones, I think, come on. They have to go along learn to get along. Maybe they'll transfer if they really don't like it, but they're not stopping anything and they're not blowing any whistles on anything. So we got to wait till someone kills someone or brutalizes someone. And then we learn, oh, maybe maybe we should have been looking at this person or something, you know. But it's it's almost almost I think it's going to be an impossible thing to do without clearing out bringing in new.
0: And and that's where I was going. Um, Yeah, because you know, I think we're selecting our police wrong. Um, I I think, you know, it's one thing, you know, 100 years ago and, you know, you had a very different society. You might be able to get away with uh, young, uneducated people that are relying mostly on their muscle rather than their brains. But, you right. know, it seems to me that uh, in modern society where we're asking police to be social workers and uh have mental health training and things like that that, that we're going about this whole thing wrong um, by by continuing to hire the same people uh, to do this job as we did a hundred years ago.
1: ex-military you know we, I mean that is, is really prevalent. And I don't know if those are the guys, because those are the same guys that we're seeing with PTSD, who are having problems. You know, there's a group of them that they're there, then there's a group of them that are cops. So I'm going, whoa, you know, how does that mix? Also, um, um, also, um, what was I going to say? Oh, when you mentioned about 100 years ago, um, not ready, not ready. Um, when you, 100 years ago, so we were in a more segregated society, right? And uh, people, that's what the norm was. Now we say that we have uh, mixed, you know, diversity and all that stuff. But my problem is, but the minds did not mix. You know, that didn't, the full, full acceptance of diversity and people, you know, many different colors and many different flavors and neighborhoods. Um, I don't think that was visualized, you know, because no one saw it. No one knew what it looked like. It was just something you're told to do and you can't tell anybody to do anything when it comes to that. Bruce Hornsby said that. (laughs) Law don't change another mind when all they see at the hiring time is the line on the color bar. So, yeah. um,
0: I did want to kind of move the conversation to Sacramento. Um, (laughs) So what's happening in Sacramento? um, By Sacramento, I mean, you know, the city rather than the state capital.
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, the biggest thing was um, the arrest of the of the officer a few weeks ago, uh, writing the false report. Um, that was huge. Um, from a from a citizen standpoint, I don't think you see how huge it it may be. You know, only one person arrested, but you know they interviewed about nineteen people or twenty people or so. I got on it. Um, they went out found the evidence against the officer's story, the, you know, the video and everything. Um, and they took rapid action, which that's good. Daniel's always been good at that. Um, what it revealed is this way of, and which I always thought might be true, is, you know, you stop first, make it up later, you know? <laughs> you kind fix of your, fix your probable cause or or your a reasonable uh, suspicion in later. So here we had this, this whole situation of them trying to figure out what it is we're gonna say that we stopped this person for. and it, got, it just blew out of proportion. It started involving other people. Um, we now know that they take um, flash drives home and maybe on their computer manipulating you know we know there's a report room, where people may come to do their reports, where they can talk about, well, what do you think here? What do you think here? Which just adds, you know, fuel to, well, here's how you make that happen, you know, instead of letting something natural and fluid go. So I think for defense lawyers, we're going to have to learn or take it what we've learned, what we know happens and use it in cross-examination more, you know. As to how they made their report, did you take it to the report room? You know, did you did you consult with anybody on this? How many versions did you have? You know, things like that. You can you can at least ask. You're not going to get the, the answers, but, you know, you can at least ask now. So, because we know now there was this thing going on, and and that, that came out, almost, accidentally. I mean, that was just the, you know, it was just. I mean thank God for the one officer, Lundgren, I believe it was, you know, who said, man, this isn't right, you know, I mean, he could have just kept this business and everything would have been normal. Would have been that easy. And so I hope what happens is they start scrutinizing a little bit more um, from their side, the officer's side of individuals who may be seeking to find probable cause or do false reports and things like that. But you know, if it, it was just an event that occurred and i mean it was almost like you know open the jar and you smell it oh wow that was you know, okay okay we got something there you know it doesn't mean all the other jars smell but that one did and we found it so it's a good thing in a, in a lot of ways you know and body cams i'll tell you body cams and and harm's uh policy on giving them up faster um has been a godsend you know it's I, without body cams, what would have happened in the last, what, three, four years, even? without body cams? My goodness. So I could understand how uh, the police do not want, did not want them, you know, at first uh, claiming expense and things like that, you know, but if you can buy tanks and everything, you can buy body cams. So, <laughs> you know, now, though, they forget it's on, or, or thank goodness, you know, so, so we can hear conversations that we, that we wouldn't normally hear. We can see things for ourselves, you know. I mean, I even take it this far. Look, the body cam was beautiful for the the girl that stabbed was about to stab the girl. You know, that all day I was like, well, cop had to shoot, you know, thank goodness. I mean, thank goodness we do have it on body cam to show what was actually going on. Um, and it saves, you know, us. That scrutiny on the officer, and then, I mean, you see, you saw how everyone just jumped on LeBron because he jumped the gun, and you know, and it, so it was almost like a, see, we told you, you know, <laughs> that we do everything right, you know, and I'm going, eh, that was just one thing though, okay, <laughs> gosh, but rare that officers walk up to a situation and it's going to blow off like that, rare, and so in that case though, thank goodness there was a body cam because it could have, I wouldn't have wanted any false facts to come out. You know, I would I wouldn't have wanted to not know that the girl was about to stab this other girl. So and the officer did exactly what you're supposed to do. So thank goodness in that one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Eh, we're um we're we're gonna have to spend some money probably, um, and on this whole reprogramming. Um, or maybe like you say, uh the moving in and moving out you know, forcing out individuals and, and bringing different individuals in who have gone through certain psychological training and tests. But, you know, old dogs, new tricks. I mean, I mean, go back to the football team, football teams, right? Oh, oh, South Park did a thing on this, too, right? Where they softened up the no more kickoffs, you know, right? So no more kickoffs because, uh, And in the NFL, right, they changed the whole kickoff thing so that you don't have these violent collisions, right? But we have not changed the nature of the game of football, whereby you have violent collisions. So players are always, well, wait a minute, what do you want me to do? You know, just walk up and touch somebody, "What what do you want me to do? I have to hit a person. And they're getting kicked out of games, you know, and suspended with the headshot, even though they may not have meant to do it. So how do you reprogram the football and the way it's played so that it does comply with less and less um, concussions and injuries and things like that. I think that's kind of similar, you know, is we got this game and this game's been played for for a long time and you better be tough in this game. You're gonna have to do things in this game. And now, oh, oh, people feel hurt. So we got to change the whole game, you know, or oh, you're not tough enough. You can't survive a concussion, you know, so it's similar in that way how do you change the whole attitude of a unit department you know a way of doing things without throwing out the bathwater? but yeah nobody's gonna go for that (laughs) for sure
0: how is the police review commission doing in sacramento
1: they made some changes recently uh to talk about um um changing the use of force uh language to be uh to say as a last resort deadly force as a last resort um, at least that but any power to do anything else they they, they don't have power uh, and that's a problem um, they they can't make anyone do anything they can only suggest that and that was actually um, Steinberg I guess you know who really wanted and got behind that so if he I think if he didn't want to it probably wouldn't have happened and I thought about that language. I looked at it while they were doing it, actually, um, and thought about this last resort thing. Because I've always said, here's the policy you change. What you got to change is there is never any use of deadly force unless Calcrim 505, it is done completely for self-defense, period. Or of others, of others, period. No deadly force ever. And, and that means that all of these shootings wouldn't have, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have occurred. No deadly force. A guy running from you. Like you say, uh, I got his wallet right here. We can go to his house later and get him. Why do I have to snatch him now? You see, you know, or damn it. Okay, he's going to make us run. All right, come on. <laughs> you know, So we got to go for a job. But no deadly force. Think of Fernando Castillo, No deadly force, <laughs> you know, unless he had pulled out the gun and names. I don't, you can go down the line. No deadly force ever until and if, and that would be the strongest language, and I don't even know if that'll be clear, because someone, someone will say, well, I thought he was going to do something. Now we're, now we're, we're we're way too far. We're minority report now, you know, we're like, hello, oh, he thought of something, and I read his mind, and you know, now now I can shoot him because I figured he was going to shoot me or... See, man, people will argue that stuff, but, but that wouldn't be true. No deadly force is the only way. I mean, Oscar Grant doesn't die. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. No deadly force. It's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But old habits you know i mean you're not gonna stop the football players from using their help you know you're not gonna stop them there's gonna be those who will who will continue to do that and the nfl will struggle and just like we will struggle with our police departments and trying to teach the new tricks you know compassion even it's I add, it's gone it's just gone so and how do you teach it now when the when the the norm is not to, you know, to to suspect everybody and everything, which is not true. Okay. I mean, not everybody, but certain people suspect them from the beginning. The Sandra Blands. I mean, I'm wondering, what did she do? You know, when I can watch her video and then I can watch two other videos (laughs) and one guy's beating the cops with their own baton and gets in their car and drives away and the other pulls a gun on them and they're Asking him, please put the gun down and stuff. And he drives away when he tells him he's going to. And the only difference, and I go, Sandra Bland, okay, measure that. She wasn't fighting them or anything like that. And, you know, she, what did she do compared to those two? They actually assaulted the officers and they drove away. So what was the difference?
0: Well, and the officer of instigated the Sandra Bland confrontation. I mean, you yeah. could have just. <laughs> He, he's just like, put out that cigarette. And when she didn't do it, um, he's he threatening to light her up. Um, and and it beca- he turned that into a confrontation when she wasn't a threat and didn't need to turn it into a
1: confrontation. And yet I see these other videos with these guys. I mean, they're beating the cop. They get in the cop car and drives away. And the other, he pulls a gun and says, I'm, I'm frightened of you. And they do nothing. They actually let the guy just drive away. And well, I go time for one more
0: question. Yeah. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, Stefan Clark uh, incident?
1: Ah. <laughs> well, uh, being behind the scenes <laughs> from the beginning till now, um, I'll tell you this: when it first happened, um, you know, I, 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 um, I knew how the DA would respond. You know, uh, when they claim cell phone, officers thought it was this, you know, you, the tape goes out, you know, I'm going, OK, OK. And um, and she did a closing argument in a self-defense case, basically, you know, she laid it all out there. She brought in his history, his past um, to justify what the officers may have done. But here, here again, the officers did not know that at the time. That was, that was information now okay okay it may have explained what, what he was doing but they officers could have never known that at that time but it's, it was thrown in there as part of the character smash that you have to have uh, when you're running a self defense case you've got to destroy the character of the individual um, no prosecution yeah I understand because in those situations, they're always gonna give the cops the benefit of the doubt, no matter what. When it's close, they're gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. And it's not the policy of Emory Schubert to, to really you know, scrutinize officers and, and bring them up on charges and things like that. So I knew that wasn't gonna happen. I think the saddest part was the protest, the protest, um, the lawsuit where, you know, and I talked to the family. They're gonna pay the kids. But nobody else, (laughs) nothing else is going to happen. We're going to talk about change. Think about, remember uh, the Michael Mann? um, And they tried to go out here and say, well, mental illness, we we need these mental illness groups to go around and stuff. You know, they were trying to start that to make change. Um, But right now, as it sits, we've had a lot of talks. We've had a lot of um, demonstrations. But if it happened tomorrow, it'd be the same thing over and over again. And, and so it's sad because he becomes um, one of the probably into the thousands now of individuals who whose life is taken and they are not a threat to the officer. But yet we have to move on at some point um, when we can't change. Well, led to the legislation change, 392. All right, great beautiful. But as we know with legislation and things in words, they can be interpreted different ways. So, so we'll have to see on that part. But if it's going to change the way things are done, the programming of officers, I don't think so. I think it was another event. It occurred. And we are now two years or so past. Um, we had the, the COVID thing came in, kind of distracted things for a while, um, but. I don't know going for the good news is that the foundation uh it was a a good awareness at least here in sacramento um put sacramento on on the forefront of of the police issue um so there there is good news that people are more aware of things that happen but like them all we have a tendency to let them pass until the next thing occurs and And that's the sad part, you know, that's the sad part. I feel for the family, um, but we, for me, it's a matter of, I think for me, it's changing us as citizens. It really is. Never expect the cops to change. I don't expect them to change. It's changing us, which is why I preach how to deal with officers in any situation. Five questions to ask, am I free to go? Kicks in your Fourth Amendment. They got to tell you yes or no. If they say yes, you go. If they say no, you are detained. No matter what's going on, you're detained. So you ask for your lawyer and you shut up and let it run. Period. It's so simple that people question, well, what about this? Well, shouldn't I say this? No, you should say nothing. The Supreme Court of the United States says you never have to talk to an officer. Never. So we should follow what? The law we should follow that law and not talk to them be quiet be respectful but don't say anything give them an id you're detained that's it that's it well, change yourself yeah, Keith,
0: one of the problems and and this is kind of what i keep trying to teach white people uh for lack of a better uh characterization but a lot of people that end up getting in trouble with the police the reason that they're getting in trouble is that there's a reason why they can't comply uh some of them have ptsd some of them have mental health issues um there's a broad range of people and so they're not thinking oh can't am i free to go uh they're not comprehending what's going on and that is to me the biggest problem is that Police encounter people and they're used to, okay, I just gave you a command. You're not doing it. I'm going to shoot you. When the reality is, the reason they're not compliant, I mean, it's like this woman in Colorado. Did you see that video of the 74-year-old woman who was suffering from dementia? She couldn't even talk. Right. She couldn't even understand human language at this point in her life. And the officer never figured out, you can listen to them, they had no clue that they were dealing with somebody who
1: couldn't understand them. And, and laughed and bragged about yeah. her, her elbow and stuff. Yeah. And, and that, well, therein lies that mental illness thing that we've got to put into place. But officers are not seeing that. They, they, don't, they don't see that someone, you know, would be suffering from it now training okay but like you said i mean you know and if oh the guy perfect example the guy uh jaywalking uh that was jay uh then they would cops were talking about whether it was jaywalking you know before encountering him um and he's and i get it people want to react to officers why are you messing with me why are you coming at me i get that but that's what i mean by we have to change the view. Our view has to change. When we see officers, there should be a silence. You know, <laughs> and what do you want? Not even what do you want, but hey, and can I go? No? Okay, I'll stand right here. But the I want biggest my
0: misconception that I keep occurring is you know, you'll hear people on the right, they'll go, you know, if you just do what the officer says, you'll be fine. And that misses like a huge part of this problem. Go get your wallet, pow, yeah. I know, I'm going, wait a minute, wait, time out, you
1: know. I mean, ignoring all the cases
0: where they are doing what they're told to do and (laughs) and they get shot.
1: (laughs) Which is why I go for the, you got the passive resistance. You know, you you can't do anything. You really can't do anything. You you know, you got to kind of sit there, uh, please just call my lawyer please just call my lawyer. And, and you have to go over and over. You almost got to, we, you've got to train for that. You really got to train for that. That's one of those civil rights training things, you know, that should go on. Really citizens got to understand, you know, the, the talking back, The why did you pull me over? Are you Are doing this for that? You know, oh, unnecessary, so unnecessary. Cause it gets you nothing, but the second, third officer coming in. Now they're calling for back. You know, you're you're aggressive now. Oh, I love the when they're beating on you. Uh, stop resisting. Stop resisting. I love that one. It's, and that shows they know what they're doing. They know. So we've got to know what we're, you know, what we're doing. We got to know. This is going to happen. Still, can I go? No. I want my lawyer. I don't care how you you know do it. Can I go? No, I want my lawyer. Here's my ID. That's all I got to do. I can shut up. And most of the time, I'll tell you, you'll probably, you know, if, after they do their investigation, you know, you'll be sent on your way. And that's when you're collecting badge numbers and names for the complaints later, which is another whole show, you know, to tell you the truth about how to start documenting incidents. You know, because we can't trust that anybody who sends in any any information to the police to look at that something's going to happen. So I think it's going to be um, up to community community organizations to start documenting that stuff so that you don't have to do pitches motions in order to get complaints.
0: Well, <laughs> we could probably go on all day, but unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, but thanks, Keith, for coming on. This has Thank been- you. Everyday Injustice. I'm your host, David Greenwald. Join us again next time for more tales from the injustice system. Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mouse Quake Barrett for the use of our opening, Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com.